Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone. We're back for this podcast, and I greet you in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And we're going to be looking at chapter 4. That is a famous chapter. Again, the chapter divisions were added later. The verse divisions were added later. So go back and read the whole letter that's flowing into chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, that everybody likes to spend so much time about in the understanding of the catching up or the rapture. But we're going to start in verse 1 here, and we're going to flow through the whole chapter, and we're just going to allow the text to interpret itself as we're going through. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, help us and guide us to speak your truth of what you're saying through Paul and let it minister to our lives in a powerful way today, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. So let's start with reading the first eight verses of chapter 4. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things." just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And I believe that last statement is so important to understanding what Paul is saying. As believers, we have the Spirit of God. Everything in the Spirit of God is to set us apart That's normally how sanctification is defined. And again, we don't define words by themselves. But here, we are set apart for a different life, not the old life, not the life of the world, and the sexual immorality and taking advantage of other individuals. But we are set apart in order to live a life that is pleasing unto God. So as we go to verse 1, and we see that they are living a life that is pleasing to God, and he encourages them to excel still more. We should never be complacent with our walk with the Lord. It should always be growing, always going forward, always asking God, if there's anything in my life that's not pleasing unto you, let that be taken from my heart, from my life. He says in verse 2, because you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, you being set apart for the things of God, not for the things of the world. What is the world? That is that you abstain from sexual immorality or fornication. The world is all about 
pleasing yourself, hedonism, and when it comes to sexual immorality, the world says go out and do what makes you feel good. Now, these are primarily Gentile believers that are coming from a highly sexual immorality culture. I don't know if I said that correctly, mm-hmm. correctly. Mm-hmm. but from sexual immorality that is all around them all the time, even the temples have <laughs> sexual immorality as part of their worship. Now, Paul is in Corinth, we believe, writing back to Thessalonica. There's one temple in Corinth that had a thousand prostitutes there in Corinth, a temple dedicated to Aphrodite. And so sexual immorality is everywhere. You know, it, it doesn't sound too dissimilar to our current culture where, where you can't turn on a, a TV screen and not see some form of sexual morality. Yes. And in fact, the commercials are just as bad as the shows. As a believer, there's hardly anything that you can watch that the world is presenting today that you can say, this is wholesome. This is not going to go against my faith. This is something that is teaching good values that promotes the things of God. It's almost down to zero. And so what I encourage you to do is that you have been set apart for the things of God and do not put junk into your life that goes in your ears, into your heart, and comes out by the way in which you live your life. Take that away. Get all the junk off of the radio, the television, everything that you're bringing into your life. Eliminate those things and put the Word of God into your heart. Because when you look at verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. You have been set apart for the things of God, not for sexual immorality, not for greed, not for hedonism, not to fulfill my own desires. But I am to die daily and take up my own cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a different message that the world is giving you every single day. I think an interesting thought, too, in the word lustful passion. I think, you know, I used to for years strictly assume that lustful things only applied to the sexual immoral. But lust, I, you know, as I feel like I've, I've learned more of the definition, lust is about our heart. And we can lust for things that have nothing to do with the quote-unquote sexual moral. We can lust for money. We can lust for prestige. We can lust for recognition. It's this attitude of the heart, not so much as these sexually moral practices or fornication. It almost goes beyond that, in my opinion. What what are your thoughts on that? Yes, because if you look at verse 6, he's bringing it into defrauding your brother. Mm. So lust starts in the heart. It always starts in the heart. People misinterpret Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon of the Mount. And I hear this all the time. They say Jesus is bringing a deeper understanding of the law, and he's bringing a new law because it's all about what's happening inside. And I say to them, no, that is how it's always been. It's always been about what happens in the heart. Because if my heart's not right with God, how am I ever going to follow the law of God? And before the Israelites came into the land, God tells them they're not going to keep my law and the curses are going to come upon them. And I'm going to scatter the Israelites to the nations. And Moshe, Moses, pleads with them. He says, circumcise your hearts before they go into the land. He's pleading with them. 
He's telling them, if your heart's not right, then your life will never be right before God. You'll never keep the law, and the blessings will never come upon the land, upon the people, and God's going to scatter you among the nations. And because their hearts were not right with God, everything that God said to Moses before they came into the land actually took place. Jesus brings the same message on the Sermon on the Mount. You say, do not commit murder, but if you have hate in your heart, you've already committed murder. If your heart hates that individual, if you have the opportunity to murder them, if there is a true hate, you're going to do that because it's already been established inside. Mm. This is the same thing with lust, Mm. that if lust is living within our hearts, we always understand it in sexual immorality, but that lust for money, that lust for power, that lust for things, the things of the world if it's in our hearts, will come out on a daily basis as we live our lives. But Mm -hmm. we have been set apart not to allow lust to live in our hearts that comes out in many different ways, but we have been set apart to live a life pleasing unto God. And that can be, in this context, sexual immorality, lust that leads to sexual immorality. It can be lust for money that makes us to defraud our brother. It can come out in many different ways. But the issue is the heart. And if God has our heart, he will always have our lives. I think that explains itself as we go through. The word sanctification, allow the context to define it. Verse 7, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Sanctification, set apart for the things of God, not the things of the world. So, verse 8, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You're rejecting God who has placed his spirit within you, who sets you apart to follow his way, not the way of the world. So do not allow the lust of the world to be a part of your life in any way, fashion, or form. That's not God's spirit within you. It seems like he gives the Holy Spirit to you as some sort of validator, evidence of the divineness of God. What do you view about that in terms of the argument of gives his Holy Spirit to you? It seems so much more than this, you know, you can't hold this concept of the Holy Spirit just being this theological idea. That just doesn't make sense with a verse like this. What do you th- how do you think that plays together? Yes, it's actually the Spirit of God, which is holy, His character, His ways that has come into our life, changed our hearts, circumcised our hearts, given us a new perspective in life. And if it's the Holy Spirit within us, we are to walk in the Spirit, going back to Galatians, Mm. which produces the fruit of the Spirit, not the deeds of the flesh. It's not just a theological idea. It is a practical daily walk with God, with God's Spirit within us. And if we are being drawn into the things of the world, we're not following God's spirit that is inside of us. Mm -hmm. And there is a spiritual battle. I don't care what any theologian says to you. There is a spiritual battle that is going on all the time for a believer. Are you going to feed the spirit or are you going to feed the flesh? Mm -hmm. And as believers, we're instructed daily to die to ourselves 
daily take up our own cross, follow the Lord, to feed the Spirit of God, to pray without ceasing, Mm -hmm. to not look upon things that honor the world, but look upon things that honor God, to feed the Spirit of God that is within us. I don't even know if that's the right terminology, Mm -hmm. but to... To sow, to sow, sow, like we read, I guess, in Galatians, and it was established in Galatians. Right. To sow the things of God that builds up a life in the Spirit so that we're not constantly at conflict between the flesh and the Spirit. Mm. But it becomes very easy what direction that we're going because God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, lives with inside of us. And this is a daily challenge for every believer. Even if you're in a systematic theology that says it's not a daily challenge, it is a daily challenge. And you know, if you're listening here about that daily challenge, am I going to follow the Spirit of God and see the fruit of the Spirit in my life, or am I going to go a different direction? And as you continue to walk with the Lord and listen to God's Spirit and follow the Spirit of God and being led by the Spirit of God, it becomes rooted and grounded so strongly within our hearts, then we start maturing in the things of God. I think that's the best way to say it. Hopefully, I've been true to the text here. Now, let's read verses 9 through 12. Now, as the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it towards all the brethren who are in all of Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. Continuation of the same thoughts, the same ideas, encouraging them. They do have love, but excel in that love. They do have love for those at Macedonia but you are to excel still more. Keep pushing forward. Let the love of God grow within your lives. Verse 11, and make it your ambition to live a quiet life, a peaceful life. I'm not out there to just wreak havoc on people and be in conflict with my neighbors and to get my way and to determine that it's my way or you're going to be in trouble. But we are to live a quiet life and, and to attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. We should have the greatest testimony within society. Even if they're lying about us and saying all types of evil about us, we go to work, we're there on time, we finish our work, we're the best employees, whatever God has put in our hands, we're doing it for His glory. We worship God at all times. That testimony comes forth, and really, legitimately, as a believer, there shouldn't be anyone speaking evil about us in a legitimate way. This believer, he causes all kinds of problems at work. No, we're to live a quiet life, attend to your own business, and work with your own hands just as we commanded you. Look at verse 12, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. It's all about a testimony Mm -hmm. about what God has done inwardly in our life by the way that we live our life. We've been set apart for God's purposes so that outsiders can see what God is doing in our lives. 
The greatest testimony is a life lived for God. It's not a sermon that is preached. It is a life lived for God. And these believers, under heavy persecution, need to live a life pleasing unto God, doing their own work, not going around causing problems, not trying to defend every lie that's coming against them, but living a life of a testimony so that outsiders can see that. Mm. And this is what Paul is saying back to them. This passage, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. It seems like an oxymoron. It seems a little weird because naturally our ambitions would be, oh, even as a Christian, to have a big ministry, you know, to do a lot of impact. What's your perspective on ambition for a believer in light of this verse? Well, I think this verse is in the flow of thought of a peaceful life in the midst of persecution where you're being persecuted for your faith And that as believers, we're not out there causing conflict in society, but we work with our own hands, we don't have need of others, and that we live a quiet, peaceful life with God and with others. Mm -hmm. So it's really talking about our conduct. It's not talking about not having ambition to reach this world with the gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... Our conduct is one that people look at it and they can say, hey, stop attacking them. They're Mm -hmm. not doing anything wrong. Look, they're not asking anything of us. They say that Jesus is the Messiah. We don't even know anything about this Messiah, but they live a peaceful life. In Romans, they pay their taxes, Romans 13. Now, we're going to get to that soon, that when the people of the government look at us They say, hey, these are good law-abiding citizens. We may hate them. We may be persecuting them. But we really do not have any legitimate charge against them as citizens. This is what I believe this context is here. And I think you're going to see this in other places as we go through the New Covenant Scriptures. So, yes, have an ambition that God will use you for His glory. But this is our conduct in conflict with the world's way and the lust of the world. Amen. Let's continue here, and let's go to verse 13. I tell you what, let's stop here and let's pray. Mm -hmm. And in this podcast, because we're coming up to about 20 minutes, and then we're going to finish the rest of chapter 4. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, to live a peaceful life, And to be able to have a testimony to outsiders, people that do not know you, even if they're persecuting us, that we don't have any need outside of just knowing you, God. And Lord, you have filled every need, every void within our lives and help us to live a peaceful life, attending to our own business and working with our own hands and having a great testimony to those that do not know you, those that are persecuting us, those that have no idea of the saving grace that is living within our hearts, God. Let us have a life that is a testimony every single day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at integrity global missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.